Pastor Xavier Reese on staying clear of the onslaughts of Satan. If a bird knew that there was a snare there, he wouldn't go near it. The reason he gets trapped is because the trap is disguised and camouflaged. This is the proverb teaching here. Beware of the devices of Satan, we should not be ignorant of them. It's all a disguise. It's all a trap of Satan, the true opposer of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It doesn't take an army to defeat a man. According to Pastor Xavier, it only requires a heart that is unguarded. That's one of the precepts that are brought up today as we continue a verse-by-verse series of the book of Proverbs. Anyone who thinks they're invincible ought to get ready for the fall. Or you can stand firm as you let the Word of God guide you in your thoughts and actions. Open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 7 for today's simple truths. Let's listen. Remember the Proverbs are similitudes, contrasts, oppositions to try to bring out a truth. Hebrew poetry is not necessarily like we know poetry in rhymes, but it's in precept upon precept, building a concept until you come to a conclusion or putting contrasts, similitudes, or oppositions to bring out the truth. So the poetry structure is different of poetry that we know. The book of Job is poetry. And Ecclesiastes is poetry. Song of Solomon is poetry. Proverbs is poetry. And these are part of the books that are in the section of poetry. So let's pick up in verse 1 of chapter 7 about this strange woman. He says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live in my law as the apple of thy eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the tables of thy heart. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. So he's actually, he's almost personifying all these different characteristics and attributes of wisdom, understanding as he has in the past, as if we are to ask them to accompany us so we won't be lonely. The reason we ask somebody to go somewhere with us because we don't want to be lonely. We don't want to go alone. We want somebody to talk with. We want somebody to accompany us. We want somebody to come and perhaps help us if we need help. And such is the case here. They're almost like personified in terms for our help. Notice that he says there in verse 2 that the law would be as the apple of his eye. The apple is the very heart of the eye, the, the pupil. And whenever you have an object that would come towards your face, the first thing you do is you cover your eyes because it's an automatic reaction. Now here he says, allow that law to be as the apple of your eye. In other words, guard it. Don't let nothing defile it. Don't let nothing destroy it. It's that sensitive. You allow some to destroy the Word of God or to contaminate the Word of God, then you're spiritually blind. It's not that you don't want to do the right thing, it's that you no longer can see what the right thing really is. And you're being moved by your flesh, by your emotions, by the pressure. He also says there that he should write it in verse 3 upon the tables of his heart. We've spoken about the heart. From it 
the issues of life. It comes forth. The heart is also connected with our thoughts, with our emotions. And God would want us to bathe our heart in the word of God that we might not sin against him. For our heart of flesh is deceitful above all things and we can't know it, the scriptures declare. It's deceitful, it's desperately wicked. And God has to give us a heart of flesh that we can live to him and we can see things as he sees them. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The only way I can walk with God is if I'm in agreement with him. As 1 John says, if you say you're in the light, you better walk with him as he is in the light. Because if you're not in the light and he's in the light, then you really don't know him. You don't have anything in agreement. So here in verse 4, he concludes about the kinship of both of these characteristics. The one should be your sister and the other one your kinswoman. And then the contrast is here that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now this is not just Solomon's personifying, he's using the feminine gender, and he had a thing about women, but equally, young ladies, we could say um, that they may keep thee from the strange man, from the stranger that flattereth with his tongue. <laughs> and equally on both sides, we have to bring our thoughts into captivity, we have to be aware of the devices of Satan, we should not be ignorant of them. We should have our armor on. We should guard our emotions. We should not commit ourselves to something that is contrary to the word, thinking that we are able to overcome it or to deal with it in our own strength, unless we would be involved emotionally or passionately, and then it's too late to turn back. Verse 6, he says, For at the window, now he describes a scene that he's seen about this strange woman and this foolish young man. He says, For at the window of my house I look through my casement and behold among the simple ones the naive I discern among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the streets near her corner and he went the way to her house in the twilight in the evening in the black and dark night and behold there met him a woman with an attire of a harlot and subtle of heart she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face. And I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning, and let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home, he's gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. What is really happening here? This is probably a typical situation that each and every one of us fantasized about and dreamed about when we were in the world. 
But see, this is reality. He's looking out the window and he's seen this young man. And first of all, take note that he is going by her house. He knows. He's naive in terms of experiencing what is reality, but he's not naive about his passions. And he's playing with temptation and with sin. And whenever you start playing with your passions, you're going to get in trouble. Whenever you say, well, you know, and, and we all do it in a way. We can play the stupid role and, and just play naive and know exactly what is coming down and shine it on. I'll tell you what, when the Holy Spirit starts checking you, you better turn around and run and don't grieve the Holy Spirit because you're going to fall. As he's wandering there, and notice in verse 9 it says, In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and the dark of night. <laughs> when did you used to party the hardest? It was at night when nobody could see me and I couldn't see them. We feel that if we can get in darkness, then no one will see us. And yet God, through his penetrating eyes, sees all things in the pitch of darkness. We hide from nobody. And then it says in verse 10 that she met him with an attire of a harlot, subtle of heart. In other words, she's been around. She knows how to deal with different type of men. She met him because he was looking. It wasn't all her fault, really. I mean, she was looking, but he was advertising. <laughs> and all of a sudden she came with the attire of a harlot to fulfill his dream. Not only is she subtle, but verse 11 says she's loud. <laughs> Not only is she loud, she's stubborn, contentious. Her feet never abide in her house. They're always running to and fro, forsaking the covenant of her youth. So she goes through the streets and she waits at every corner in verse 12. And she caught him in verse 13 and kissed him. And with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offering. <laughs> you see, it's almost like, it's okay, man. Don't worry. You're not doing anything wrong. I'm a religious woman. <laughs> she knows how to deal with it. She senses perhaps his nervousness, his inexperience, perhaps even kind of doubt and panic coming in to say no, but she's cunning. Now this can be said of the woman as well as the man. The peace offerings here, she says, this day have I paid my vows. This could be the vow of her uncleanness that she had just presented herself before the priest because her menstrual cycle was over. And now she could have sexual relationships with a man. Because according to the Levitical law, when a woman was in her cycle or unclean, a man was not to touch her sexually. And then she had to present herself before the priest. This could be very well that vow that she's speaking about. So she says, hey, I've been okayed. I've just left the priest. And take note how subtle our flesh tries to justify things that are totally off the wall by concentrating on something that is type of spiritual or kind of scriptural. Totally ignoring that that is totally wrong and, and focusing on just a portion that's not so wrong or it's pretty right. Now she says, Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligent to seek thy face, and I have found thee. Now this young man's been walking around looking for her. 
She has met him. She has also kissed him. His mortar's running already. <laughs> and this woman has been around and she knows what it will do to him. So she kissed him. She's already got him going. Now she describes her bedchamber. She says it's covering with tapestry. It's carved works. Fine linen. Hey, you just slip right in it. And he says, not only that, man, I've put some good perfume on it. Myrrh. They used to use myrrh for embalming. Does that tell you something? <laughs> Does that tell you something? This guy isn't getting, jumping into bed. He's jumping into a coffin. <laughs> That's what the ultimate end is. Death. Aloes. Cinnamon. The guy's probably drooling all over the place. <laughs> he says, come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. And here he is. His mind's going off. Oh, till the morning. You see, and she knows that this stimulates him. And we have to be realistic because this is what happens. And we play with our passions. We play with our flesh. And we get in trouble. She says, let us olaze ourselves with loves. A lot of people make lust, but I don't think they make love. You become one in Jesus Christ and you give yourself to your partner and you realize the gift that God has given to you in that mate, not only in the sexual relationship, but in the very help and the completion. And it makes everything worthwhile. You see, one of the greatest mistakes of men and women is that they think that sex is just something to go through. And we hear a lot of times today in terms of magazines and um, sexual discussions and documentaries and everything else that we should experience our mates sexually so that we can make sure that we are compatible. But what the world is saying that we should contaminate ourselves so that we can be sure that we can never truly experience and receive all that God would have for us. You see, God knows whether you're going to be compatible, and your compatibility is not sexually. What makes sex meaningful in a marriage relationship is everything that takes place from the minute I get up that morning and how I treat my wife and what type of head I am and how I treat her. That's what makes the sexual relationship meaningful. If I'm a creep, I'm insensitive, I'm belligerent, I'm bossy, I think I'm King Kong and everybody's got to serve me, and then all of a sudden it's time for bed and then I think I'm Don Juan. <laughs> and by that time the wife says, forget you, Charlie. You see, the man has the misconception that sex makes everything right. It doesn't. The woman is more concerned of how you make her feel husband and how you treat her she's not so much concerned in your performance as much as in your love for her that's where it's at so our society has the whole sexual relationship all backwards all upside down all contaminated i tell you there's only one person who knows about sex and totally and that's jesus christ in the bible you want to know about it get into it song of solomon speaks about the nuptial night the honeymoon night the Hebrews would not allow their children to read Song of Solomon to the age of 35. 
God has intended it for us, but we sure have made a mess of it. We've just took it out of its context and out of its proper place, and we've destroyed lives, and we polluted ourselves. And such is the case here. Now, in verse 19, she also encourages him even further by saying that the good man of the house has gone for a long journey. He's taken a bag of money, and he'll come home on the day appointed. And with her total speech, she caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips. She forced him. Have you ever been forced by the flattery of lips, be they male or female? And not necessarily just in the sexual aspect, but have you ever been pressured to make a decision about something you really didn't want to, but because of what was being talked and what was said, you committed yourself and you hated it? You wish you wouldn't have, but you didn't have the nerve to back out? Well, this happens very much so. Now, here's the reality. What we've read is not reality. It's deception. Verse 22 says, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks. He doesn't know that it means death, separation from God, spiritual defilement, grieving of the Holy Spirit, ammunition for Satan. He says to a dart, strikes through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. If a bird knew that there was a snare there, he wouldn't go near it. The reason he gets trapped is because the trap is disguised and camouflaged. This is the proverb teaching here. It's all a disguise. It's all a trap of Satan the true opposer of God. It's like a dart striking his liver. You know you can't live without your liver. You know what the liver does? It filters all your blood. The Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. You have a bad liver, you're going to have bad blood. <laughs> you don't have a liver, you're not going to have any blood. <laughs> See, so even what he uses here is meaningful. This man is defiling that which God has purposed to be pure. Verse 24, he says, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O you children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thy heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Samson, David, how many more? Men throw their entire lives away because of a woman. Lives families, careers, health, everything. See, so we're to be knowledgeable of all these things so that we can know how to respond to them and live. If we react, we may kill ourselves. So we're to learn, we're to grow, we're to live in reality. We're to be aware not only of our body functions but of the purposes of those functions and of the will of God for those functions that God may be glorified and that Satan doesn't deceive us and that we don't tempt ourselves. He says, Her house is the way to hell, Sheol, Hades, the place of the departed spirits, going down to the chambers of death. That's reality. That's the true picture. As I said, he's jumping in a coffin, not a bed. Chapter 8 now, wisdom 
is personified again as she calls out and cries out that man might take hold of her. He says, does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places by the way in the palace, the places of the paths. She cries at the gate, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors. The gate in the city is in reference to the place of prominent business, of wisdom, of judgment. We see Lot when the angels of God went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And where did they find him? In the gate of the city. When he took him into his house and the homosexuals came and they knocked on the door and said, come on, let us have these men that we might know them. He says, look, I have a virgin daughter. Do what you want to her, but do not such a wicked thing and defile these men. And they said, hey, you better give us those guys before we put our hand on you. And you, who you think? You've come in and you've been a judge over us and you think you can teach us now? It's very possible that Lot was one of the judges and that's why he was sitting at the gate of the city. We see Absalom trying to take away the kingdom from David. Very subtle. As he sat at the gate of the city and people were crying out because many of their cases weren't heard. He says, would be that I would judge Israel. I would hear all your cases and resolve them for you. <laughs> you ever have the Absalom complex and you try to exalt yourself? You don't see things being done and you suddenly say, well, if I was doing it, I would do it this way. <laughs> and you start bringing attention to yourself. Be careful. Absalom got hung by his own glory, his hair. It was the source of his death. He got caught on a tree. David's general thrust him through the darts. Let the Lord exalt you in due time. Let him abase you when it's needful. Walk meek and humble and he will direct your paths. So here we see wisdom at the door of the city crying out, the prominent place, the place where, it's, where it should be heard all the time. And yet man refuses. He says unto you, O man, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O oh, you simple or naive, understand wisdom, and you fools, here's the contrast, the fool, the naive, contrasted to the wise and the understanding. Be ye of an understanding heart. Here for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth and write to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. And here he's contrasting the choices of man. The carnal man, the man that is only concerned with self, takes silver and gold and his gratification of his flesh, while the man and the woman that walk in the Spirit chooses instruction and knowledge, and by taking hold of both of those manifests wisdom in his life. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Underline that. That should be the epitaph of our life. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. God forbid I should be living for what Christ died for. More important simple truths on right and righteous living 
from Pastor Xavier Reese from a verse-by-verse study series of the book of Proverbs. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's much more to come right here next time as well. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, though, you can pick up your own personal copy of this message. The title to ask for is Proverbs 7 through 9. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you share these truths by passing on this study to someone in your church or Bible study once you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Proverbs 7 through 9, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com